Hope you're all having a great day. Welcome. This is the uh, the second part of uh, our uh, conversation today. I was actually playing a little uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Hold on a second here. I have uh, the TV playing some stuff here behind me here. Can you hear me okay? That's actually a pretty good way to test everything right now. Can you hear me okay? Okay, grooving. Um, uh, I'm a one-man operation here running some stuff right now. Uh, but welcome. I thought it would be uh, a good time for us to uh, get caught up on stuff because uh, I've been traveling like crazy. I went to Star Wars Celebration, and then uh, I got to spend some time with my family at uh, Disney World and uh, Universal uh, theme parks and had a blast uh, while I was at uh, Universal theme park. The uh, the Fast and the Furious franchise was um, very very hyped up, um, and obviously uh, Fate of the Furious. I think that's the name of it. The eighth Fate Fast and the Furious movie came out, and uh, I didn't get a chance to see the critic screening, but I have gone back and I, I uh, when I got back to Vancouver, I made a made it a point to get out there to go and see it, and I called my buddy. Uh, uh, Johnny Millennium from Happy Console Gamer, and he came out with me. And uh, my plan was, um, and I, I went to see it, I think, last Thursday. My plan was to get back and stream it live, but when I got back, it was there was some technology was not playing nice with me, and I just couldn't do it, and I, I, I couldn't f- figure it all out in time to do it, and then it was, it was already too late in the day. Um, so I've been sitting on my my thoughts and my opinions on uh, on the Fast and the Furious thing. But the first thing that we're going to do, I'm going to talk about that. We also saw uh, uh, T2, Train Spotting. I saw that with my wife. We had a great, uh, uh, a nice date movie, a uh, nice date night, and we went out and saw that movie together, which was great. Um, and Johnny actually saw that with his wife as well. Um, and so we've been chatting a little bit back and forth. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm, sa- I'm kind of sad that he's not here because those two movies we could have a, a nice dialogue about right now. Um, but the other movie that I just watched, watched is the first Guardians of the Galaxy. I loaded up the Blu-ray because the uh, the sequel is out this week, and I'm going to go and see that tomorrow with Johnny, uh, who is my movie wife, I guess, is the way that we're going to clarify him. Uh, but uh, I can't wait to see that. So I, I uh, watched the movie, and then I put a little bit of the Telltale game, which I just streamed. So some of you were there for that stream, and you've joined me here, and I've got, uh, I've got chat uh, popped up right here. First of all, thumbs up if you can hear me okay. And do I sound all right? And does the stream look okay? Is everything okay? These, this is, uh, these are Michelle Rodriguez's beautiful eyes behind me. She's just staring, just glaring at me right now. Like, get on with it, dude. Say something. Okay. Um, uh, okay, so Patrick Furtado, Luis uh, Diaz, Fred Wicks, Majestic Bones, Burton Pierre, uh, Nate Slayer 22, Fail Cube, I saw you there. We did see that's um, uh, that's my that's my friend uh, from. Uh, I, d- tell me your real name, Fail Cube. Uh, my memory is failing because I can't remember what your screen name sort of. Uh, oh, it's Rob. Sorry, Rob Keys from uh, Screen Rant was there. That's right. I'm trying to connect all these dots. I know people through screen names and real names and and uh, other journalists and stuff like that. But uh, that's cool that you're here, Rob. That's awesome. Uh, Taz, uh, Sibieski, um, Stephanie R. I sound great. Thank you so much, Stephanie. That's awesome. I, I'm still coming over my cold a little bit. I'm still getting over it. So I have uh, uh, the, the vestiges of uh, stuff in my head that I don't want in my head, if you know what I'm talking about. I don't want to use the word snot, snot. I said it's not, snot. Now I can't stop saying it's not, snot. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I got a lot of that. It's been, uh, 
uh, it's been brutal getting rid of that. And I, I apologize to Blake, first of all, if he's happening to, if he happens to be listening to this stream right now, um, just to sort of measure it, make sure it sounds okay. He's not in the studio with me, uh, basement. Um, but he's had to listen to me do some terribly disgusting things as I've been prepping to, you know, get into the rundown. Because uh, you have to expel some of this stuff before you can, you know, verbalize and vocalize the dialogue that you're given. And um, sometimes it, it, it's not, you know, it doesn't, doesn't play nice with you. It doesn't, uh, uh, you know, cooperate with you at all. And uh, anyways, without getting too gnarly, Blake's had to hear some terrible things. And I apologize to you, Blake. This, this episode of Vic's Basement dedicated to you, buddy. Um, audio is all good. Hi there. Hi there. It's not confusing. Uh, Reeve Thompson. Oh, my God. Uh, I don't have a take on Guardians 2. This is the precursor to that. We will have a Guardians 2 conversation. We will actually have a full review on the run um, on Thursday because we are seeing it tomorrow. And so Johnny Millennium and myself will be going off to go and see that. And I cannot wait. I'm super excited. Uh, It is fantastic to have you all here with us. Uh, And if you are watching this later, thank you so much. If you are listening to this later, thank you so much. And that's a little, um, a little cheeky um, hint about what is about to happen. And it's too soon for me to... Ah, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe I will reveal. You know what? I'm going to... The hell with it. I'm going to reveal what's going on. We're uh, redesigning the EPN.TV website. It, was, it has become uh, too big of a, of a deal for us to, um, to manage... And it's a big, gnarly beast of a website that is uh, based on us having lots of uh, uh, different people and, and different disciplines in production to manage and maintain, including webmasters and stuff. And over the last year, I've been trying to figure out what to do with it. Um, and we have got a new design for the site, and it will go live very soon. Um, but one of the cool things, and I, I'm very happy with it, by the way, and I can't wait to hear your feedback. And um, uh, I can't wait to tell you how the idea for all of it, how this all came together uh, when the site is live. There's no point talking about it until it's there. And, of course, I want your honest feedback when it's there. And and, uh, if there are things to improve, we will improve them. But the main thing is that it will be simpler for us to deal with, uh, but we are also going to deliver the podcast, including this episode, in audio form again, because I get that I get that comment a lot. They want to be able to stream it off of iTunes or Google Play or various other podcast sources out there. Um, and very soon, all of that stuff will be there, including every episode of Vic's Basement going back to the very first one. It will all be available for you. And there is a lot of great stuff in there. We've done a lot of really cool things with Vic's Basement. It hasn't just been me ranting and raving and and uh, you know talking about movies or crying about Mass Effect. Um, but I do love, I do love where we're headed with all this. You know, I haven't started to have like a, uh, uh, a constant sort of stream of, uh, guests, whether they are on Skype or whether they're joining me here in the basement. Um, but that I, I want to kickstart and get going again because it's uh, not the actual kickstart. I, I want to, uh, get going with all that stuff because I, lo- I miss those conversations. And in fact, I think I'm going to have a very cool, I have to confirm him, but I think I'm going to have a very fun guest on Friday and we're going to have some cool stuff to announce, uh, that's separate from the website then. Uh, but let's get, uh, let's get started with, uh, talking about, um, these movies, shall we? And the one thing that I just kind of realized, because I'm going to be talking about Train Spotting 2, um, the Fast and the Furious 8, 8, 8. They made 8 of them, okay? We just want to uh, 
just be clear about that. They made eight Fast and the Furious movies so far, and there are two more to come. Uh, and then I'm going to be talking a little bit about the first Guardians of the Galaxy and, um, and also just my sort of early impressions about the Telltale Guardians game. And I've got some stuff to, uh, to show off, including uh, uh, Samurai Spider-Man, some, some weird stuff that um, I accumulated in the last couple of weeks. Uh, but I'm going to try to keep the pace going here so it's not, not streaming forever. You know what I'm saying? Okay, let's talk about Fast and the Furious 8. I'm going to run some uh, footage behind me. These are just the, uh, the trailers streaming and stuff like that. Uh, I actually kind of need these trailers. This is like early days stuff. They're kind of showcasing the team, I think. They're showing how far Fast and the Furious has come. And you know what? That is kind of true. Like, the, who would have guessed that this franchise that, that launched with like the street racing subculture and, uh, you know, also propelled, I think, in some ways by the video game industry like Need for Speed Underground and stuff like that would sort of move from this sort of cool subculture kind of space where, uh, you know, maybe you know some people that do some street racing at night and stuff and they have some tricked out cars and they dig it and it's kind of like hip. Uh, and to the point where in Fast 8, these are like the baddest, they're superheroes. They're like a super team, you know, like they're, they're Avengers and their powers are their vehicles and what they can do with all of these things. And of course, in this movie, um, you know, obviously we heard a lot about the friction between uh, The Rock and Vin Diesel uh, offset, uh, The Rock's famous Instagram outing of, uh, of some of the sort of set etiquette that was going on. Um, I think that was maybe manufactured, uh, I think, to create this, you know, this aura of uh, mystique and drama that was going to draw people to this movie a little bit more. I think it was kind of marketing. And uh, certainly I wouldn't put it past Vin Diesel or The Rock to be uh, – they're pretty smart dudes. They, they know exactly how to play the media and how to play this game very well so that all the eyes and attention are on them. And, you know, obviously this thing is a breakout smash success. It's a huge – Frickin' movie. It, uh, I think it surpassed The Force Awakens in its opening weekend as a global release, which shocked the hell out of me. I'm sure it shocked the hell out of some of you as well. It doesn't do quite as well as Star Wars does domestically. It's more of an international franchise. And, I, you know, I kind of have to respect the, uh, the bombacity of this thing, the, uh, you know, the just the out-of-control sort of, like, we're going to take over the world qualities of the Fast and the Furious franchise because it entertains so many people. And it is definitely one of those movies where you switch off your brain and, I mean, they're playing with as but as much money as you can get without taking off into space um, to create these stunt sequences and to show off these different, you know, uh, city skylines and stuff. And you do travel all over the world. There's some interesting stuff at the at the beginning of the movie in Cuba. Uh, you know, they've got amazing actors like uh, Charlize Theron in this thing. Uh, you know, it, it's it's kind of like a who's who of uh, future actors that will eventually be bec- uh, become expendables. Um, it's kind of like pre-expendables, a lot of this stuff. Uh, but, you know, I, I didn't hate this movie. You just can't think. It's one of these flicks where it's like, okay, these guys are badass drivers, but how are they going to stop these nukes from going off? Okay, let's go with it. Uh, the big deal with Kurt Russell's in this thing. The big deal, of course, is that uh, um, Vin Diesel's character 
and forgive me, I know none of their names, okay? I, just, I know maybe some of the actor names, but I don't know any of the character names. I've seen a lot of these movies, too. I think I've seen every single one of these movies. That's about how much they register with me. I have no real, like, emotional, like, oh, my God, you know. I mean, obviously, it was incredibly sad when Paul Walker wasn't there to finish the seventh movie, and they certainly found a nice way, I think, to celebrate that or to, to honor him a little bit with that, and they, they honor him a bit in this movie as well. They, they were just jumping through uh, buildings. They were jumping from one building to another. There's so much stuff in here that you just uh, you, you, you just can't believe what you're seeing. You can't really believe the, 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 the sort of physical accuracy of what you're seeing. That's definitely looked like something out of Captain America right there. Uh, yeah, these guys had, uh, they had sort of falcon wings and they land on a car. There's so much stuff in this movie that, you know, doesn't sort of adhere to the laws of physics. And that sort of works, that's the plot, too, and the dialogue and the script. Um, but everybody is so cool and so badass and so capable, and they're obviously having a good time, uh, that it's hard not to be smiling. You're smiling through this. I wasn't laughing. I felt like uh, a lot of the lines of dialogue really didn't connect and didn't make me laugh out loud, didn't really hit. And I think that part of it is is that unless you sort of came up with this franchise and you, you know, know these characters inside and out and you love them and, and there's an emotional kind of anchor to what you're watching, the sort of flat and vapid kind of discourse that they have between each of, each of these characters just doesn't really elevate. It doesn't really make you feel much of anything other than, you know, oh my God, this is silly. This is silly. Okay, this is crazy. Look at all of this money that's being spent. And, uh, you know... Sometimes movies are good for that, and I had, a, I had a pretty good time. Now, this was, interestingly enough, this was the very first Fast and the Furious movie that Johnny Millennium, the happy console gamer, had seen, and he went with, uh, I think, an air of incredulity. Is that a word? Uh, or he, you know, he sort of had that overcome him as he was watching this thing, and he was just like, oh, my, come on, that can't happen. That's not, come on. He couldn't believe how epic scaled and how silly and how crazy everything got in this thing. But somehow, each one of these drivers, no matter how many times their cars are destroyed by, you know, giant battering balls or they're being chased by nuclear submarines or, you know, machine gunned like crazy, they could... They could always get away driving. A car basically saved almost every single situation in this movie. And, I, you know, it's, it's crazy. You can kind of see that this Fast and the Furious team, if they keep going, there's no way they can't go into outer space. Like, that's the inevitable sort of conclusion. Or maybe it's like this is the next generation of Fast and the Furious as we populate another planet with these super race car drivers and they're going to go out in space and have some kind of moonraker battles and stuff uh yeah i mean it's loaded with lots of spy and high-tech imagery there's lots of prison break type elements and uh we get to see jason statham kick some serious ass um there's some surprise cameos from characters and actors that you've seen in previous movies that do uh, uh, make a return. Um, I am a big, huge fan, I have to admit, the, of uh, Michelle Rodriguez. I think she's a fantastic 
uh, performer. I think she does play a lot of that same sort of tough girl role in everything that she's in, but I think she's a magnetic, charismatic person on screen, so I always like seeing her. Uh, Ludacris has some okay lines. Charlize Theron, I think, was enjoying herself with this. The Rock is always solid, uh, you know, I mean, like literally. He's, he, he's like a, he's a brick wall, uh, but he's also pretty solid on screen. He's fun to watch. Um, you, you know, like the movie throws everything at you. It's like pyrotechnics with the stunts and pyrotechnics with the casting choices. It's almost like uh, they, there used to be, uh, what the hell, the gumball rally movies. When I was a kid, they used to make these gumball rally movies and they threw all kinds of celebrities and then they would get into this uh, car chase across America and like Jackie Chan would show up all of a sudden. It, it kind of feels like that, but with a real budget and with... Um, uh, you know, bigger than James Bond budget kind of thing. And then every once in a while we go to Cuba and people are wearing thongs and stuff. You know, there's my review for every once in a while we go to Cuba and people are wearing thongs and there's nuclear subs. It's a crazy movie. Uh, did I love it? No. Did I hate it? No. Uh, do I remember any of it? No. No, I mean, I... Even like I'm watching the trailer, I'm forgetting the trailer as I'm watching the trailer. It's all just, it's like a pastiche of different scenes from different action movies and different genres. And it's like, if if it looked cool, looked underlined cool, let's stick it in this movie. Okay. Uh, but yeah, you, you kind of, I, I don't know. I, I would love to hear, actually, I'm going to pause this, uh, this footage right now. And I'd, lo- I'd love to hear from viewers that check this out uh, and, and what they thought of Fast 8. Fred Wick says, turn brain off, suspend all beliefs, forget all laws of physics and gravity. Yep, yep, I think he's right there with me. Outer space. Hey, Jordan, how you doing? Good to see you. Uh, Fast and Furious meets Call of Duty. Yeah, that's kind of it. You can kind of see that they could mix up these these hyper worlds, right? Like it feels uh, that's a terrible image to end on. Let's see if I can get Michelle Rodriguez's eyes again. Uh, oh, there we go. Okay, let's stop on that. Um, crazy Winter Soldier type vibe out of that. Um, uh, you, you can kind of see like they're they're so crazy and silly that you could kind of mix GI Joe, Transformers, and Fast and the Furious. And I I don't is it the same studio that has all those? No, I think Paramount has Transformers and GI Joe. But literally, it's like one of those puzzles where you can just you know the the image doesn't really kind of make sense, but you slide the pieces in, and then it all sort of clicks in together. Each one of those things is like each one of these franchises is like one of those puzzles, which kind of works as its own almost makes sense image, and then if you slap it all together, it would make this meta thing that would kind of work. I, I feel like there's an inevitability to this thing blending with something else. What, Universal does the Bourne movies, I think. Um, could you imagine Jason Bourne in the Fast and Furious world? I actually can, because they can throw anything at this. Um, but, uh, yeah, I... I uh, I, I honestly can't believe we're at Fast and the Furious 8. I just, I can't believe it. I can't believe I went and saw that movie and more are coming, you know, that like we're on the back end of the final trilogy or something like that. It is always a wait for video thing for me. That's uh, Fred again. Leighton JT said, I had the choice of the circle or this. I chose the circle. I apologize or I feel bad for you, Leighton. I heard uh, the circle was awful. Uh, how was the circle? I was supposed to go to the... I, I couldn't get to that critic screening, but I, I heard it was terrible. 
Uh, fast has always been brains off. That's what uh, tech therapist has said. Uh, fast has always been brains off. Just roll with it over the top popcorn time. That, you know, and you're, you're right, tech therapist, but I, like, I can't recall the plot of any one of the movies. I can re- recall some stunts that are kind of cool, but I don't know what the hell happens in, in any of them. I mean, I, I think in the first couple they were racing, and, and recently they've been stopping wars and, like, stopping nuclear weapons from going off. I, how did that happen? It's insane. Okay. Um, hey there, brother. Nocturnal toothbrush. I don't know if I've ever seen nocturnal toothbrush in here before. How you doing? Uh, we've just been talking about Fast 8. So if you've seen the movie, you know what it's all about. It's kind of crazy. There's a plot, question mark, from Taz. Uh, the evolution of craziness and disbelief from movie to movie reminds me of the Saints Row franchise. Bingo. That's absolutely a perfect connection. That's an amazing concept. And, you know, quite frankly, it's like, you know, we've, we've seen some Fast and Furious kind of car packs and things like that and some, maybe some cheese ball mini games or, or, or uh, mobile games. But, yeah, these characters are what you really care about, right? Like they, they, they kind of roll in some new sweet supercars and muscle cars in every movie. But, you know, that scene of, of their eyes going, whoa, look at these cars. You could just replace each one of those from any movie. I mean, the cars are beautiful, don't get me wrong. But it's the people that I think... And, and mostly it's the actors that we kind of really care about. So why haven't they really been used, especially if they're jumping up on cars like the Winter Soldier and, and you know, flying like the Falcon into the, into the backs of planes and stuff right now? Why haven't we used those characters in some better types of games? Like, why not have those characters in a Saints Row type of experience? That would be perfect. Uh, there's a plot. Yeah, the treatment of them as military unit is just really bizarre, Mr. Brockerock. Yeah, it's a bizarre franchise. It will never go away. I, I'm very curious how these actors are recast and, you know, what the next generation of Fast and Furious people will look like. But, yeah, they're, they're basically a super team, dysfunctional, but highly, highly um, elite drivers and now super spy slash shadow warrior type people. It's crazy. Okay, let's talk about a totally different type of uh, dysfunctional and elite team. Let's talk about uh, Train Spotting 2. Um, all right, we're going to roll on this footage for a little while. This is a crazy sequel because who would have thought that this would ever get made? I mean, first of all, they're all heroin addicts in the first movie, spoiler alert. Uh, and you feel like, you know, um, Ewan McGregor's character, D- Danny, I think his name is, uh, got away and uh, got out of that world and escaped basically by ripping off his buddies. And you feel like at the end of that first film is like maybe he's going to live, but everybody else is uh, is not going to do so well, you know. And so we have uh, Sick Boy there, who's Sherlock on the other Sherlock show. show. Um, oh man, I'm forgetting this guy's name, Bigby, uh, who is the psychotic who went to prison. And then we have Spud, who is um, just this hapless, you know, heart of gold um, addict that got kind of sort of strung through there, brought through the ringer with these guys. And has some really, really dark thoughts. And uh, 
So what's happened here is 20 years have passed. Oh, there might be some boobies in the background. Apologies if anybody's offended by that. Uh, the, the movie is very mature, and it deals with some heavy, mature types of themes because this is, um, you know, kind of these 40-somethings reconciling some of their choices when they were young men uh, and dealing with the, the, the darkness of addiction and sort of facing their demons and facing themselves and, and having to kind of... Uh, you know, go back and and uh, try to see if they can live, you know, see if they can live past what defined them. And so much of what defined them was uh, was really, really hurting them or killing them back in the uh, in the original film in, in Train Spotting One, which was a transcendent film. It was it was such an incredible. I got this off of somewhere. You can. Yeah, I don't even know where I got this. Some trailer site. Um, but uh, they. Uh, they were so affected, and it was such an effective movie. It really kind of shocked the world. There were just some horrible, horrifying scenes of jumping into toilets, and people just got super sick and gross, and, and uh, there was so much squalor and depravity. And uh, it was dark, but it was also humane and funny and um, revolutionary. And Danny Boyle, who was the director then and now again, is just such an unbelievable visualist and just an you know an incredible... Uh, director. He knows how to do a ton with not a lot of resources. Of course, he did uh, 28 Days Later and, and Slumdog Millionaire and lots of other great movies. He's a fantastic filmmaker. And it's just awesome that he and uh, I believe the writer was involved in, again with this movie, but all of the actors got back together again. And obviously, Ewan McGregor is just this you know massive global movie star. And I think he's, he's, uh, he's had a great career already, but I think he's destined right now. And choices like this, he's, he's not only directing, he's playing twins on Fargo right now. There's a lot of buzz that he's going to be uh, coming back as Obi-Wan. But, you know, he really stands out as this, this larger-than-life force in this movie. But I love the fact that he just got back together with his mates and re-explored all of this stuff. And there is a lot of um, generous screen time for every one of these character actors and also Edinburgh. And I saw this with my wife and I think there were a couple things about this. Obviously, like my wife and I have been together for 26 years, so we've gone through a lot of life together. And we saw this in a movie theater called The Park in Vancouver, which is in a neighborhood that we used to actually live in um, about 20 years ago. And we might have seen the original train spotting while we were living in that neighborhood. I don't think we saw it at that theater. Uh, but it was a lot of, you know, you, you're looking at these actors who have all aged. Um, they're giving performances of characters that have aged and gone through hell. And it was just so eloquent and elegantly put together. There's some, like, brutal kind of stuff that happens and, and people being just vicious to each other. But there's also a lot of tenderness and a lot of love and a lot of support and, and uh, some, you know, great kind of words of encouragement for people that are sort of facing darkness and facing their demons. And, uh, you know, famous faces and familiar faces kind of pop up. Um, but it's also interesting for us to see this film because since my wife and I saw the original movie, we have gone to Edinburgh, um, mostly just to vacation, just to have a good time. And we actually have shot some of the rundowns and stuff from there. But we've fallen in love with that city and we've gotten to know it a little bit. And so to, to see the movie um, 
And it was actually shooting. They were shooting in Edinburgh when we were there. And, you know, it was exciting to hear that all of these actors and this this story was being sort of captured as we were there. Uh, but it's an amazing city. It's, it's uh, so much a part of why this movie looks the way it does and feels the way that it does. Uh, there are some fantastic sequences in this. It's not as shocking, and I don't know if you can ever do, it's just like The Force Awakens, I don't know if you can ever do a movie that you kind of go back to kind of reconnect with characters and actors that, that we haven't seen for a long time. I don't know if that, that, uh, that sort of circle back can ever be as, you know, shocking and um, innately gratifying as that original was. But it, it is marvelous to, to kind of reflect on the resiliency of the life spirit, you know? And that's kind of what Trainspotting 2 is because these are characters that really should have been, they should have been dead, you know? Like they really, really, they got hammered, you know? They, they, they chose very poorly. And some of the characters, spoiler alert, go through some really, really dark stuff in the very first movie. So I, I, you know, I fully recommend you see the first film. It's an iconic classic at this point. And the sequel brought up and John, uh, Johnny Millennium, who also saw this as well, and we saw it independently, but he brought up a lot of moments of melancholy and feeling a little sad about all of this because you reflect a, a, of the passage of time when you're watching this movie as well, not just because you're seeing these these actors that were, were young and there are flashback sequences and everybody just looks like a, like little kids, um, and, and now they're kind of wrinkly and, and they're beaten down and they're talking about middle age and, um, you know, they have a lot of... Uh, they're broken. They're they're broken, or they're fractured, or they have you know cracks in their seams, and you see a lot of that in this movie, uh, and you see that there, and it's reflected in you, and you think about all you know all of the choices that you have made in twenty years, and it's a it's an amazing you know um, gift, but it's it, it's kind of a painful gift to kind of think about how twenty years just goes by like that. You know, and uh, all of the stuff that does occur in that time, but it's uh, we we rarely get to see the same actors reconvene after that length of time. You know, it's a very special thing. <coughs> Sorry, I'm gonna take a swig of this. Mm. But as a as a standalone experience, it's, I I feel like you'd be doing yourself an immense disservice if you ever did see this movie without. Uh, at least seeing the first movie, and I think you benefit so much, and we didn't do this, and I regret it, uh, you would benefit so much seeing T2 or Trainspotting 2 um, immediately after you watch the very first one, you know? I guess the other movies that this kind of reminds me of are those before movies that Richard Linklater does with uh, Ethan Hawke, um, where the, the, the couple that go around Europe and have these long discussions and they sort of check in at various points in their life, it's very fascinating, you know, like time is, is such a, it's such a tricky thing to play with or hell, man. I mean, even the, the Fast and Furious movies, those guys have been making those movies now for 10 years or more already. Uh, but it, it's a tricky thing to, to, to talk about the malleability and the, uh, the way that time stretches out in life in the confines of a two hour film. So it's, uh, it's remarkable, you know, there's, there's, um, uh, you know, almost a documentary kind of vibe to the ability to go back in, into these characters' lives like this. But I can tell you, like, you know, Danny Boyle hasn't lost his edge or his touch. There's some 
absolutely stunning moments. The, you know, the, the city of Edinburgh, there's a lot of squalor. There's a lot of really terrible areas that are showcased in this film. But there are also some beautiful scenic shots where we're running through the Royal Mile and we're up on the mountains looking looking out across the city. And Edinburgh, if you never have been there, it's it's such an amazing town. It's, you know, you've got these medieval uh, alleys and these long stretches of, of um, you know, gothic streets that lead up to a castle, which is right up on a hill in the middle of the city center. You've got these, uh, you know, brand new, uh, you know, sleek looking um, stylish modern buildings. And then you've got these super old classic ones. There's lots of Victorian homes. There's like row homes that were kind of the, the uh, you, you know, the... Um, the, the area where the, the, the poor people of Edinburgh used to live, but now it's all being sort of modernized and, and uh, gentrified. Um, there's a lot of art. There's a lot of culture. You know, it's the city where J.K. Rowling famously would sit in coffee shops and write all of her Harry Potter novels. You'll see a statue of Arthur uh, Conan Doyle and Sherlock Holmes uh, because he was writing the Sherlock Holmes novels there. Uh, yeah, it's, it's an amazing city. And... Um, I was very, very happy to revisit it and also revisit these characters. And uh, I don't know, I can't, I can't recommend T2 enough. If I'm going to give it a score, I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. But that comes with a qualifier. You have to see the original Train Spotting before you go and see T2. Uh, okay, um, what do I think of Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild on Wii U? You sound like me, Jordan. You can't stop thinking about Zelda. Uh, the dead baby. Oh, yeah, yo, Fred, you're spoiling stuff in the chat. Uh, toilet scene, Leighton JT. Yes, some really, really dark stuff. Arturo, uh, Sagastume. How do you say that? Sagastume? Sagastume? Arturo Sagastume, I'm going to say. Hey, guys, I just wanted to let you know that I am live streaming GTA 5. Oh, this guy's spamming. Brutal. Uh, okay. Um, I don't have any moderators in here, but, uh, let's, I'm getting rid of this guy. Can I get rid of him? Uh, block. Boom. Fred, I'm going to make you a moderator. Anybody spams, they, they got to go, right? Okay, cool. You can moderate right now. Uh, open the toy. Yes, I do have toys. Oh, you can see some toys. Okay, all right, okay. Um, should I open the toy now and then and then talk about Guardians of the Galaxy? Sure, let's do it. All right, cool. Um, First time I've ever live blocked anybody. That was that was kind of gratifying. Okay, um, let's do a quick little live toy break. I got three of them. I'm crazy, I know. And these things were not cheap, but uh, they're hard to find, and they cost more at Comic-Con. And so what happened here is, um, you guys know I have the Samurai. I think you can see I have the Samurai, Boba Fett, and Stormtrooper, and Darth Vader. Those are some of my favorite toys from... Uh, uh, Comic-Con a little bit before, uh, or a few years ago, um, and a, a couple streams ago, I don't know if you can see them, I got the Flash and Daredevil, I got the Mezco 112 and the Batman versus Superman Batman, amazing. These have been some of my favorite toys that I've seen at Comic-Con over the last few years. Now, I got the, the Samurai um, Star Wars characters, and I love them. And I saw at one of the booths, there were lots and lots of booths of really cool toys, including, um, you know, new versions of the old classic Kenner line that I used to love back then. Blade Blur, you are, you're the best. Thank you so much. Uh, very busy with life. I hope you are well, and thanks for everything you do for me, Mother. Oh, thank you. Much love right back to you, Blade Blur. Uh, 
Anyways, at Star, at Star Wars uh, Celebration, and it really truly was a celebration, I saw these sleek uh, figures. Now, these are um, from, what's the name of the company again? It's, uh, oh, geez, I forget, and it's all in Japanese. Oh, I forget. Well, they're, they're manga realizations. Well, they're Bandai. Oh, Tamashi Nations. Um, I think you can see that right there. So what I didn't do is I didn't, I didn't cut the tape. I don't want to wreck the boxes, guys. Oh, I should have cut the tape. I should have cut the tape before I did this. Let's see. Maybe I can use this. I have a Destiny 2 pin. That's one of the other cool things that has come in recently. I got a Cade figure, which is pretty rad right there. Um, for There's a Destiny 2 event that's coming up in the middle of May. And I'll be uh, checking that out, getting getting a chance to uh, to play the game on May 18th, and uh, you'll be hearing all about that very soon. Oh, okay, this will work. Great. Okay, so thank you, Destiny 2, for the pin that's going to allow me to open up my figures. These things have been sitting on here for a couple weeks, too, and I, every day when I've been coming in, it's just like, I want to open those! So thank you for allowing me to have a stream that allows me to open them. So this is the Red Guard, uh, one of the characters that you would see on the Empire side behind... Uh, I'm not going to take stuff out of the box right now because it'll take too long, but look at how sleek that is. I just love all of the detail, all of the, the sort of samurai armor and logos and insignias and stuff like that. And uh, I think you can... Oh, stuff's going to fall out. I think you can see they have rounded shoes and, you know, it's all been incredibly embellished and so sleek love it okay so that's that one try not to lose the sword down there and i'll just open up um spider-man samurai spider-man this is kind of a a weird direction but i think at this point in my toy collecting life right the royal guard for the emperor that's right and it, at this point in my toy collecting life because I've been collecting toys for a long time, and I have lots of really cool ones. Um, I, I'm trying to find stuff that isn't just a, you know, a redo of a toy that I bought ages ago that's better now, that's improved, you know? Like, I have some of the, uh, oh, these things are all going to flip and fly out. I have some of maybe Sideshow's first 12-inch lines, um... Or it might have been Hasbro or Kenner or something like that. I've got some some classic Star Wars stuff um, that is great, but obviously not as good as what the Hot Toys stuff is right now. But I can't just keep buying and rebuying the same types of characters. So that's why I look for unique stuff like the Mezco 112, which is kind of like uh, the old Mego lines from when I was growing up, uh, but done better, you know. Or like some cool six-inch characters with some uh, cloth fabric costumes but uh here's the the samurai spider-man without dropping all of the fingers and everything like that oh boy this is going to be tough to show off okay maybe i will take him out there we go oh i can get him out okay so they're not clamped in or anything like that look at how rad that is that is just amazing right samurai armor all over him he's got a red sword i believe yes or a red sheath for his sword very sleek. So these will be going up on the shelf for sure. I think it's time for me to do a little bit of um, curation up here and take out some of the, the, the toys I want to display 
uh, take out some of the toys that can go sort of back into the archive and, and pop out some of the newer stuff. Give stuff a little bit more space so you can see everything behind me. Because I do have some pretty rad figures and some pretty awesome toys. And I, I have to give a special shout out to my wife who puts up with me and my, my toy addiction. But I love them. I always have. I've loved, I've loved them since I was a little kid. I've always just been addicted to the collection of action figures. And I don't know. I, I guess it's that, it, you know, in a lot of ways, it's very connected to my adoration of video games and, and movies and stuff. You know, it's like you can create little scenes with these with these characters, you know, there's a, a physicalization to it. When I was a kid, we used to actually uh, do little stop motion sh shoots and we'd take a lot of camera pictures. It was just film back then, but we'd take a lot of, uh, uh, you know, stills of, of our figures in our cars and we'd, we'd do little flip book, uh, you know, stop motion movies with the exposed, uh, when, when it was all uh, brought back to us as photos, we would do these little stop motion flip books. This is amazing. This is the Iron Man Samurai, the red and gold Iron Man armor. So incredible. You know I would love them to do a, a Tamashi Nation's uh, Batman. That would be sick. So I'll try to put all the samurais together, even though they're you know from different universes. I love these figures. Love them. Okay. All right. I'm going to put these guys back over there. Um, I have, I have a couple of loot crate things too, which I, I haven't opened. I have, uh, I've been traveling, so let's see what I can do here. I'll open up a couple of these things here too, see what's come in. This is the, this is a loot gaming one. Um, I think there's some Guardian stuff. Oh, okay, this one's gaming, so what do we got here? I don't know anything. I don't know any of the stuff that's in here. So what do we have? Oh, an Injustice T-shirt. That's pretty cool. Nice. Right? You might you might see that on the on the old show very soon. <laughs> uh, we've got uh, loot crate Halo icons shooting at each other. Super deformed stuff. I won't open that right now. Nice. I love these little things. This is a, an Overwatch Pharah. This is actually the character that I like the most in the game, at least right now. I like her rocket launcher. So that's pretty cool. That's the, uh, there's a couple other things in there, but that's the Loot Crate Gaming. Let's see what we got over here. Um, this is, this is clothing, and I gotta, I gotta tell you something. Um, thank you, Loot Crate, by the way. It's, it's amazing to receive all of this stuff, but uh, I actually had to take over another shelf in our uh, in our uh, in our cupboard in our closet because uh, I was getting so many socks <laughs> from Loot Crate, and the socks are what I've, I've been digging the most because you know it's it's tough to get excited about buying socks, but receiving socks that have Wolverine on them is pretty darn cool. And so now I've got a crazy collection. These have Godzilla on them. Now I've got a crazy collection of socks. So I actually needed to. It's basically commandeer another another uh, drawer so I could put all of that stuff in. Uh, let's see. Ooh, a Legend of Zelda shirt. Nice. Look at that. Breath of the Wild baseball shirt. Love it. 
Loot Crate's been getting better and better, man. Like, when they first started sending these things, especially the clothing, I wasn't that crazy about. But recently, they've been sending some really cool shirts. Here's a Predator. Oh, that's pretty rad. Here's a Predator shirt. That looks dope. I dig it. Okay. Um, and what's this? A three-in-one scarf. Oh, it's got Bell Disney stuff. Okay. And some underwear. I haven't gotten into these crazy Ren and Stimpy, like the underwear. This one's Ren and Stimpy underwear. I haven't, it's, that seems a little too personal with the sending of the underwear. I appreciate that they're, uh, that they're here. That's cool. But I haven't yet worn any, uh, any Loot Crate underwear. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't know we got this. This is amazing. This is classic Tron on a T-shirt. That is dope. Instantly going to the top of the t-shirt pile. Thank you, Loot Crate. That is amazing. Um, what do we have here? I think this is a mouse pad. Some... Oh, cool. A Prey mouse pad. Are you guys excited about Prey? I know there's a free demo out there. I haven't had time to check it out. I had a good conversation uh, with uh, Raphael. Hey, the Wren. Thank you. The Gaming Wives. You're the real special edition. Thank you so much. You're a very sweet person. Thank you. Um, and then I have another one of these little minifigs. This is the uh, Electric Purple Tracer. Very cool. Okay. And what is this? I, oh, a Mass Effect Andromeda LED lamp. I haven't gone back to Mass Effect Andromeda since I streamed it and talked about it. What does this thing look like? Um, but it was... I. I clicked on it. I have Persona. Persona 5 is my next thing. Oh, that's pretty cool. It's like a little Pathfinder. You can't, I don't think you can read that. Pathfinder. So that'll glow when I plug that in. Okay. Wow. Okay. So um, I think that's, that's the loot, that the, the sort of current state of the loot um, uh, over, that I've received over the last month or so from, uh, travels and also from our friends at Loot Crate. Thank you so much for all of that stuff. But, uh, let's get back to talking about, um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I just watched the first film today again, and I don't think I've watched it since the Blu-ray came out, and I think last year it came out. And, um, I have a much better television. I've talked a little bit about it. I should do a just a a, a base a, a Vix basement on on the setup that I have now because it's amazing for watching movies on. I've I've just been blown away. It's an LG um, E6. Uh, it's a, it's 55 inch. Uh, it's an OLED 4K thing. And I've I've said this before, but I I got into the 4Ks because of uh, the Xbox One S and the PlayStation 4 Pro. The day the Pro came out and I hooked it up to my 1080p TV, it was like, okay, this is cool. I can't tell the difference at all. I don't know why this is... I, I, I had to go out and get a 4K to see what the hell this, the, the story was. Eventually, I bought one and returned it, but eventually I got this LG OLED. And one of the cool things that it does, I think I've talked about this a little bit, is that it has um, it, it's super low pixel density or super high pixel density. Um, so, you know, obviously it can display 4K imagery. The, the blacks are beautiful on it. Um, and I've got a couple of uh, 4K Blu-rays, and I've played a lot of 4K games, and it's great. But the other great thing that it does, it's got 3D built in, and I've never cared about 3D. I've railed against it in almost every form, 
Um, but four, but 3D on this television is really freaking good. I watched Doctor Strange in 3D the other day on it. Now, I'm saying all that, but that's more about the setup that I have. I've got a great Denon uh, receiver, which is all about uh, making it simple to, to uh, go to 4K imagery and to have uh, HDR on every single HDMI input and everything. Very happy with my setup. I've had lots of great audio-visual tech to play games on and watch movies on, but nothing as good as what I've got currently. And to watch this movie on that setup, even though I just watched a a straight 2D Blu-ray, because Disney hasn't gotten into 4K Blu-rays yet with their movies, um, I was blown away by the visuals of this movie. It was great. And it's now it's a couple years old, and, you know, the, the technology increases so quickly. But the you know the space scenes are so beautiful, so filled with color. They're so kinetic. There's so much you know camera wizardry and, and CG wizardry moving from vehicle to vehicle. And and I love the shots of Star Lord kind of looking out of the Milano, and he's you know he's in a space battle, and his ships flying all over the place. But you you feel connected to it, you know. And they did an amazing job with that. I don't think they did an incredible job with uh, the the helmet sort of digitally, you know going off of them there's something about these these uh these these pieces of tech that are attached to the faces and i I would say this about iron man's armor as well like they just sort of disappear into nothing and it makes them look kind of you know a little more fake than they should i feel like they should disappear into some kind of recognizable object so it doesn't just vaporize it should like sort of digitize off of the person's face or something like that, and then you could still see the remnants. I guess you can, because Star-Lord's got this uh, this thing around his ear for the whole thing, and I guess that's what it comes out of. But I, I just looked at that as sort of a communication piece. But anyways, the movie itself, and it's really just the introduction of these characters, is very funny and very refreshing and fun as hell and, you know, filled with a, a sense of sass and a sense of you know, fun about itself and poking fun at itself and, and you know, just really smart and self-aware. And I was really, really entertained. I wasn't picking it apart. I find myself when I go to, and I felt this way about Ant-Man, I felt this way, I think, about uh, uh, Doctor Strange, although less so because that was just one visual stimulant to another. I I kind of picked them apart as if, you know, how do they stack up to my favorite comic book movies and how kind of close to comic book lore are these things? And, and uh, you, you know, are we just going to be another, like, the world is crashing down around us kind of uh, um, superhero tale where it's just epic special effects at the end? Or are we actually going to, you know, get into these characters and, and dig them? And uh, I, I felt like Guardians when I saw it in the theater for the first time, mostly delivered that, but I wasn't that big of a fan of Ronin, and I felt that there was some kind of, uh, you know, a sort of mixed messaging and, and kind of a messy kind of story around Thanos' daughters, uh, Nebula and Gamora, and how they sort of got connected with Ronin and why Ronin would want to fight against Thanos and... and uh, um, who some of these characters were and how they kind of fit into the mythology. Um, there was just a lot of stuff thrown at us. And I felt like the villain part of it, the, the, the big bad, was kind of the, an afterthought compared to how much time we got to spend with Groot and Rocket and, and Drax. Um, 
And I, you know, I thought that was kind of a missed opportunity. And I left kind of critiquing it and sort of saying, okay, well, it felt like there were chunks missing. And I still kind of feel that way. I feel like uh, these are all individually such powerful characters that the enemy that we face in this thing, this guy, this Ronan guy, should be more than just somebody that will punch you to death, you know? Like, there should be more than just he has a hammer that has one of the crystals in it, the Infinity Stones, uh, and he's super powerful and can just... I, 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 I felt like that was still a missed opportunity, but I forgave its sins a lot more this... This on this repeat viewing, you know, I could just sort of soak it up. Maybe it's because, you know, all of these Guardian characters have been around our, our pop culture a lot more since then, and it's less about, like, who are these people? It's all new to me, because I knew nothing about the Guardians of the Galaxy before I saw it on screen for the first time. And it is a lot, to, a lot of information to kind of digest and have an emotional feeling about, you know, because you're really just going character, 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 all the way through the movie. And that includes all of the Nova Corps characters and, and Yondu and his Ravagers and all that stuff. There are so many introductions in this movie that it, it kind of, and the Collector, for Christ's sake, there's, and this time I could clearly see Howard the Duck behind him as well. There's just so much, like, here's our universe. Here's all, here are all the pieces. And I feel like now that we've had this film for a while and I've got the Milano Lego set and, you know, we've seen them in popular culture. I've read some of the books now and now I've played the Telltale game. They've been around us a little bit more. So to see the movie again, it's really a work of, uh, it's a sensational accomplishment. It's a great movie. It's still not my favorite of the Marvel superhero films, but it's really damn good, and it is another underlying testament to how how incredible this achievement has been. This cinematic universe that Marvel has crafted for us has been so goddamn entertaining from film to film to film, It's it, it blows me away. You know, somehow they get these ingredients together and they are able to, to build these movies that that really transport us and make us have a great time. And I felt that same way about Ant-Man. I felt like Ant-Man was trying so hard when I saw it in the theater the first time. And not all of the the jokes were landing the way that I wanted them to. And the action wasn't working as well as I wanted it to. But then I saw it again. And I, I was really taken aback by what was accomplished. And I think, you know, that's the thing with, with uh, the Marvel films is that they, they compete against each other. And they're coming out so fast and furious, no pun intended, but they, they keep coming out with so many of these things. We don't really have a chance to kind of let them be special now, right? They're just like, boom, okay, we got this coming and this coming and this coming. And, you know, it becomes increasingly more difficult to kind of really stack them up against each other and, and you know, f- fairly judge them. Um, and that's why it was cool to go back to this. And, you know, what was also cool is that in the... Uh, I didn't watch all of the making of stuff. I want to because I want to see a lot more of the on-set sort of camaraderie and the stories and stuff. But one of the things that I do have on the Blu-ray, obviously, is they show off the uh, the Marvel Universe. And they have these little anecdote um, interview pieces with the various actors, including a very young Robert Downey Jr., comparatively, uh, talking about accepting the Iron Man role, the Tony Stark role. And God, man, what a what a journey. What a journey, you know, and in the next couple of years, we, we all know, like, the arc is going to kind of 
kind of come to a close and some of these actors are going to sort of say, okay, that's it, I'm out, you know? Like we just saw that with uh, Hugh Jackman and Logan. With Logan. Um, but this film is very special. It's very cool. I think it exists more as a, um, a, a you know, a funky sci-fi adventure than a, than a true sort of Marvel superhero type thing. Certainly each of these actors or each of these characters kind of could be its own superhero. Um, but it's more about the, the spacefaring and the planets, the, the, uh, the quirky green skin characters. I, 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 I love the shameless, um, sort of connection to the cheesy roots of science fiction that this movie has. Like, it wouldn't be incongruous or, 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 or difficult to see that some of these same painted people that are in the background of this movie could also have been in an Ed Wood science fiction film. And I love that it shamelessly connects itself to that kind of cheeseballness. You know, they even have um, uh, Lloyd Kaufman from Troma as one of the, uh, he's one of the prisoners and he's yelling in one of the scenes in the background. And that's James Gunn kind of, uh, you know, playing to the director, playing to his, his roots in um, avant-garde and, and uh, you know, seat of your pants kind of filmmaking. And I love all that. I mean, I, th- I think that's one of the, the, the sort of off-kilter senses of charm that this movie delivers. And it's fun to kind of revisit. And that was, that was rad because I wanted to kind of get into this headspace again. I wanted to remember these characters. I wanted to see this, this flick again with fresh eyes. And I was smiling and laughing and I was entertained. I think David Bautista is, um, you know, Groot is awesome. The snark and the, uh, the, the snap of Rocket is, is uh, charming as hell. I love that he gets all choked up, that people keep calling him a vermin or a rodent or whatever. But uh, Bautista's Drax is so freaking hilarious. His, his uh, inability to, to sense sarcasm, and he just takes every statement at, at sort of face level and the way that he delivers his lines. God, the guy is a great choice. He's a great actor for that role, you know? Like, he is... He is uh, obviously physically embodying that 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 character so well, but um, really light touch, really perfect reads on on the lines, you know, so that you are you fall in love with this guy, this kind of stoic person of stone, and he uh, that's also tragically kind of uh, affected by uh, the universe around him. And you kind of care about him, you know, even though he, he would seem to be just the most straightforward, straight ahead kind of big monster guy with blades kind of guy that you would add. But Bautista lifts this to another level. Just fantastic. Really, really, really love that character. And I've heard, that obviously, that uh, Baby Groot is going to steal every scene in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Uh, but what's made me laugh the most in the trailers that I've seen for the sequel is is uh, the interplay between Chris Pratt and uh, David Bautista. I can't wait to see that. Cannot wait. So I see Guardians 2 tomorrow, um, and uh, I had a ton of a ton of fun jumping into Guardians of the Galaxy 1 today. That was super cool. And I also got to play a little bit of the... Uh, um, God, it was 2014. It's been so long. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I'm very excited to see the sequel. But I also got to play the, uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy Telltale game. And it's, an, it's, you know, it's one of their standard adventure titles. Um, and you can watch the stream there. I didn't, I didn't load any video up behind me. Um, it's 
a little weird to have them slow down so much in this universe, in the Guardians of the Galaxy universe, because so much of what we have seen and what I've flipped through in the pages of the books that I've read has been pretty fast, pretty sort of forward-driven, and and, uh, we are jumping from scene to scene and, and, uh, you know, crazy moment to crazy moment. But in the game, you kind of have to put on your detective monocle and walk around and sort of look around, just like in most of the point-and-click adventures. I've only played about an hour of the game so far, so I'm nowhere near being able to review it. But I will say that it feels weird to kind of slow yourself down to um, kind of take in the environment um, and sort of, you know, think your way through the game. Because so much of... I think what makes Guardians of the Galaxy successful is that they they react and then they have to react again. There's consequence to their reaction and then they're just kind of they're hightailing it through their choices. And uh I, I you know, the adventure sort of genre doesn't really allow for that so much. But the there was a cool action sequence which I did stream, which I thought was pretty fun, was fighting Thanos. Uh, relatively early on in the in the very first episode. So I definitely will finish that first episode, and if I like it, I will continue on, and, and maybe I will stream some more. Um, but i got to tell you, um, this is a franchise that definitely, you know, now that Marvel is, you know, hell-bent on getting into the console space, we've got the Spider-Man game coming uh, from Insomniac, we've got the Avengers game coming from uh, Crystal Dynamics. I really hope... I would love, you know, an awesome Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, adventure, like action adventure kind of tale where you could explore different parts of the galaxy and go to all these different planets and and run around in real time. I I think they could even do something Battlefront-esque and make it kind of a first-person shooter with some other kinds of cool mechanics and stuff like that. This is a wonderful franchise. It really is, you know? And I applaud Marvel for saying, look, we can take this thing that really not that many people know, this infinitesimally small group of people know, these comic diehards, and we're going to blow it up into a household name. And I think they've successfully accomplished that, you know? So let's see. Fingers are crossed that the sequel is as good or better than the first one. Uh, but they could do a hell of a lot with this franchise, and I would love to be able to play um, some more Twitchy-style games, which were uh, make you feel, you know, like you're uh, uh, sort of thinking on your feet, like like crazy stuff is happening from second to second. But uh, let me quickly get back into the chat right now and see if anybody's got a question or a comment or any kind of. Uh, uh, thoughts here. I've got one from uh, Al Kratz. Vic, have you bought any of the Marvel Legends action figures? I came so close to buying the 12-inch uh, Spider-Man, Iron Man, and Captain America that they had at Universal um, at the theme park there because they have that big uh, Marvel space, which is still amazing. They have like a Stanley uh, uh, alley, and they've got the Spider-Man ride, which is fantastic. It's still so fun, even though it's been around for so long. The Hulk roller coaster. Uh, but they also have the Marvel theme shops, and they had all of the Legends figures. I haven't got them. They're in my um, my Amazon cart, you know, but I have 12-inch figures of a lot of those characters, so I feel like, I, you know, my, my shelf space is full, and I just start, I'm starting to feel a little silly rebuying characters or figures of, of things that I like, but I'm very impressed with the, the larger-scale Marvel Legends figures. They're fantastic. Especially love that awesome, the awesome Spider-Man one. 
Uh, a space bounty hunter type of game would be awesome from Sylvian Bisson. I, I totally agree. Um, does Lego Dimensions have Guardians of the Galaxy and Sheep We Trust? No, they haven't gotten into the Marvel space because, you know, TT is owned by WB and they also own um, DC Comics. So they've been more focused on Lego Batman uh, and the DC universe. They haven't gotten into Marvel. If Lego Dimensions is still moving forward, and I've heard some rumblings that uh, uh, they're phasing it out, that it's, you know, we're going to know very soon if they don't start talking about what what's next for Lego Dimensions at E3 this year, it's possible that uh, yeah, they're going to be starting to close down some of the, the content there. It's just so expensive to get all of those toys lined up with the video game content. So um, I, I hope not. I hope that it's still continuing. My 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 daughter and I love that game very much. We play it all the time. Um, and I would love to see Star Wars and I would love to see Marvel in Lego Dimensions. And that's not out of the realm of possibility. But that's only if TT and WB feel like it's it's got enough of a user base and people are still playing it. Uh, so, no. But uh, Guardians were in the... I believe they were in the... Um, Lego Marvel Avengers uh, game. I think they were as par- part of the DLC, if I'm not mistaken. That that had tons of characters in it. But I would suspect that we're going to see another Marvel uh, Lego game this year, which should be massive. Uh, I prefer the dedicated movie comedy games over... Uh, over Dimensions, let the Star Wars, like Star Wars, another movie. One of the things that might happen if Lego Dimensions is being phased out is that um, TT will double down on the uh, on the traditional Lego model and give us bigger and badder and and uh, more sophisticated Lego experiences. I think the Force Awakens game was a, a fantastic game, and I think they kind of tipped their hat to. Uh, how far they could go with it. I don't know if you guys played that, but some of the space battle stuff was fantastic and, uh, you know, super, super well-designed. It was a very elegant game, loaded with content. Could still have been bigger, um, could still have included more from the Star Wars world and fiction, um, but it was, it you know, kind of showcased a bunch of new systems in the Lego space. And... Uh, if they're moving off of dimensions and moving resources away from dimensions, then I think they could probably pivot and, and build us some really fantastic things. Like maybe there is even a Lego Guardians of the Galaxy game coming, which would be awesome. Uh, you don't like the 12-inch Marvel Legends. Okay. Uh, I think Nintendo nailed... That's uh, from All Kratz. Uh, ki- uh, Killing Winter, I think Nintendo nailed games to life toys. Everyone loves Amiibo because they work with multiple games. Um... Yes, I do, I agree with that, but I do wish that you could actually play as the amiibo characters in multiple games. You know, like um, I know this would be very difficult to play, but uh, uh, let's say in Mario Kart, and you've got the little Mac amiibo. It would be amazing if you could put the little Mac amiibo onto Mario Kart, and poof, you've got the little Mac. Cart and Little Mac is in the game. Not just the outfit for your me, but the actual character that isn't in there otherwise. But obviously, that's a the whole bunch of um, you, you know coding, and there are availability issues and all kinds of stuff in there. <laughs> Cut the action figure in half so it's just six inch in sheep we trust. Spider Man, Spider Man's here, everybody! Woo! I love the. Uh, 
Fate of the Furious, but uh, it wasn't better than Furious 7. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, honestly, I, I couldn't really tell the two movies apart. I think if you cornered me and asked me to explain the plot or what was better or worse about each of those, I'd be very hard-pressed. But uh, I would say equally entertaining, and I can absolutely understand why they're so fun and popular for so many people. Fred Wicks, not only are you the moderator, but you're also an incredibly generous soul. Thank you. You're very nice. Um, uh, Let's see what we got here. Guardians rule. Batman was in Captain America Civil War, but they called him Bat Panther. (laughs) That's in Sheep We Trust. Mixing universes in Sheep We Trust. Drax is amazing. Yes. Um, imagine Rocket and Iron Man together the first time. What does Robert Jan- What does uh, Robert Downey Jr. say? Mm, killing Winter Games, posing a very good question. Rocket and Iron Man together, what does Robert Downey Jr. say? Um, can I have one, I think? The same thing that he said when he saw Black Widow, at least in the trailer. Uh, I think he would be enamored with Rocket and certainly want some of his weaponry. Uh, Mr. Brockerock, picking up on my cues uh, around Ant-Man, I feel he was more of an interesting hero in story. He liked Ant-Man. I really liked Ant-Man. Um, one of the things I didn't say that in my little story there was that I watched the movie on a plane, I think the second or third time, and it was funny that transposing this movie about a miniature superhero to a miniature screen made it just elevated my estimation. I just really, really appreciated the the sort of entertainment value of Ant-Man. And I'm super psyched that they're making a sequel now with, uh, with the Wasp, with Evangeline Lilly in there. And uh, I can't believe that, I can't believe how, I'm just so proud of her. I can't believe she's a superhero now. I just, it's so freaking cool. Um, so I can't wait to see that movie. And of course, I'm a huge Paul Rudd fan. Um, I love seeing uh, Marissa make Paul Rudd blush when we, we were interviewing all the actors on the Avengers line a couple of years ago. That was super fun. Uh, Howard the Duck, I just can't wait for the sequel. And Sheep We Trust is just bringing up all kinds of weird and esoteric Marvel superheroes here. Assassin's Creed was a terrible video game movie. Spider-Man, right on the money with that. Uh... uh Living in the UK, talking. Oh, Taz and tech therapist are talking to each other. Um, we got some stuff about 3D, uh, and oh, guys are talking about your your uh, home video setups and stuff like that. Um, yeah, geez, we've gone over a lot of stuff in here. Uh, from Lost to Marvel, it's pretty awesome. And people are talking about Smash Brothers. It always. It's a, the chat always devolves into people talking about Smash Brothers. Isn't that the way? <laughs> All right, you guys. I think, uh, I think we, we covered enough topics for today. Um, uh, the Red Guard and I are going to call this one for the afternoon, but uh, we will be back with a review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And uh, uh, also, yes, we did hear about the announcement of the next Darksiders game. It's in our rundown today. Uh, Mr. Brock Rock, so make sure you watch that. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll be back with the review of Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I'll probably be streaming a little bit more of the game. I've got some other game reviews that I'm uh, percolating on and some uh, some more cool announcements, so stay tuned for all of that. And Spencer, holy crap, thank you so much. That's amazing. Thank you, Spencer O. That's very, very generous. Um, 
I appreciate all of you guys. Thank you. I, I would like to be streaming live like this a lot more often. It is just a, a question of, uh, of uh, trying to get as many of these little pieces done as we possibly can. But we are working hard. We're building lots of cool stuff. And uh, stay tuned. A lot more to come. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for coming to our basement. And I'm going to start saying Stitcher at the end again. And you'll know why very soon.